Now, Executive Suites with WPRI.com reporter Ted Nisi. Welcome to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. Always glad to have you with us. Later on in the show, we're going to talk to a young man just out of college who's already got a startup that's getting buzz and outside investments that's connecting kids who need tutoring with tutors, college students who want to do it. It's, it's an interesting model, and we're going to hear a lot about it. But first, I'm very glad to be joined returning to the show by Gary Furtado. Gary is the president and CEO of Navigant Credit Union, which uh, many of you are familiar with, many of you might even bank with. Gary, thanks for coming back. Thank you. Appreciate it. Welcome back. So so remind folks, and I always do this when we have a credit union guy on, remind folks what is the actual difference between a bank and a credit union? Okay, so a credit union is owned by its members. You come in and open an account, your first $10 constitute one share, so you are a shareholder of the credit union. You can only own one share, one share, one member. Uh, different than a bank, a bank actually has stockholders, um, so you can own 100, stock, I mean 100 shares and you can own 10,000 shares. At, at the annual meeting, <clears throat> everyone has one vote. No matter how much money you have at the credit union, at a bank, obviously, how many shares you have, you have more votes than other people. You're very so. democratic. Yep. Uh, you, uh, you've, yes. been, you've been navigating now, amazing, more than 40 years. Yes. So you clearly yes. believe in the credit union model. What do you think is the positives of a credit union versus not safe to bash your bank friends? But, you know, no, what, what do you think of the upsides of this model? No, I won't bash bank friends. They're, you know, they, they do a very good job what they do. But, I mean, credit unions are, are membership owned, as we just mentioned. Um, so we're there to serve our members. We're not there to serves uh, uh, shareholders, stockholders, stock uh, institutions. So there is a difference. Uh, we are community, we are Rhode Island, um, so we're in the community. There are uh, local decisions being made. Um, every decision being made in Rhode Island is made in Rhode Island. Um, so there's, there's a big difference. And, and obviously, uh, all the employees are here. They're Rhode Islanders. and. That's, that's the big difference. Last time I had you on, uh, it was in, I look back in 2014, you were actually getting ready to celebrate your 100th birthday. Yes, yes. People might remember. Not me. Not me. Not you. Credit. Not yeah, you. Okay, not okay. You. You, were, you were barely 90. <laughs> but <laughs> you uh, actually, people might remember, you used to be, way back, you were Central Falls Credit Union. Right. And then the name was eventually changed to Navigate. Right. So some people, old timers, might remember. We were called Credit Union Central Falls. Credit Union Central yeah, Falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. French-Canadian background. A live, a live uh, <laughs> fact check. I like that. So um, now you're <clears> Navigant. Now yes. you're past the 100th anniversary. And you just keep growing. How big are you these days? What, what, give us some stats. So we have 18 branches around uh, Rhode Island. Uh, we have about 330 employees. We are uh, 2.4 billion dollars in assets. So we're about we're about the second largest credit in the state, just behind the largest one. Um, so it's been it's been good since uh, since 2015 when I was here last. Um, I believe we've opened maybe five branches since then. Um, a couple of years ago, we had a busy year. We opened a branch in Wakefield. We took over a, a, a branch of a credit union, an out-of-state credit union. Uh, we opened a branch in Coventry, and we opened a branch in Warwick. Uh, so we had previously been mostly northern Rhode Island, down to the East Bay. So now we're actually statewide. So yeah. it's, it's been a, a busy uh, four or five years. It's been very good. And you're actually uh, you're taking over another credit union. Yeah, we're taking this fall of 2019 in uh, Kent Hospital Federal Credit Union is going to become part of Navigant. Yes, you're, yes. you're in the process yep. of that. Do you, you know, when you think of credit unions years ago, if they were dotting the landscape. They were independent, yes. one-offs, a lot of those. Now we're seeing them be more like brand, like familiar branch banks like you guys are. Do you expect to see more consolidation of the smaller independent credit unions into larger ones in the coming years? You, you see that na nationally, obviously. There's 
less than 5,000 credit unions left in the country. Um, probably when I started, they were 15,000. Um, I think the stat is almost one a day. 350 a year seem to go out of business. Um, What's driving ones, that? Um, it, it's really it's it's technology, it's compliance. Uh, they're small credit unions. So uh, Kent uh, Kent Hospital Credit Union, a very good credit union. Uh, CEO is retiring, um, looking to do more services for their members. And obviously, being a small credit union, it's, it's tough. It's expensive. Um, so I think that's what's happening. In Rhode Island, we have, I think, 19 credit unions left. Um, so there's a Big little ones like you guys and then the small. Then there's small ones, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, you'll see a little consolidation, but there's not much left to consolidate. Yeah, that's true. What, yeah. What, do, what do we have at our peak? How many credit unions do you think there oh, used I to think be in there, Rhode was, there was probably, I think during the, uh, there was probably over 75 at one time. Wow, so we've yeah. gone yep. from 75 to about 19 19, now. yes. Wow, yes. That's, that's a big change big in how change, the industry yes, yeah. is structured. It sure has, yeah. So you just mentioned it, and I, I always find this interesting, whether I'm talking to uh, a commercial bank, a credit union, you're investing in brick-and-mortar bank branches still yes, here in the yeah. late 2010s uh, and I think that might surprise people with the you know they're saying deposit your checks on your phone and all this yep. different stuff going on with technology why are you still putting money into brick-and-mortar retail branches what do you find uh, people still want with that well statistics show that Millennials still want a branch they still want to come in and talk to people when they either have a question when they have a problem or they want information on a product. The branches are looking different. Uh, you know, a lot of advertisements you see on TV, branches are looking a little different. Less teller lines, more office space, more consulting between uh, a member and a, and a person at the credit union. So you definitely see that. Obviously, everyone wants uh, mobile access. I mean, as, as we talked about before, um, all your bank is done in your cell phone. I mean, it's definitely, you can uh, deposit, mobile deposit, uh, you pay your bills, uh, you do everything on your, on your phone. So there is that part of society that wants to do that, but also they want the face-to-face. -face. Uh, they, they want advice, they have a problem, they want a new product. So we've, we've been very successful in open branches. So mm -hmm. why, you still see them. I mean, obviously in Rhode Island, there's, there's, a, there's a big national bank that's making a big splash. It's coming into town. Yeah, exactly. They're so doing you, branches, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, yep. it's, it's fascinating to me that that's still, yeah, I guess it's also something about, you want to know your money's in like something solid, not just right. something yeah. on your phone maybe. Like, All right, we've got to take a break. We come back, we're going to talk more with Gary Furtado, president and CEO of Navigant Credit Union about the outlook for the economy and what else is going on in the financial world. Stick with us on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. Later on the show, we're going to hear from a startup that's connecting kids who need tutoring with college students who want to tutor them. It's called GoPeer. We'll hear from the uh, founder and CEO. But right now, continuing the conversation with Gary Furtado. He's president and CEO of Navigant Credit Union, the second biggest, and it's pretty close, it's close yeah. <laughs> credit union in Rhode Island. So I mentioned it earlier, Gary. You're now at, I think you're at 42 years with Navigant Credit uh, Union. 41 years. 41 years. With 41 years. Yep. Obviously, union. I can't get another job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've been applying and there's just nothing coming <laughs> nothing up, going. nothing coming along. How, did you ever expect when you joined, I think you were an accountant, right? In yes, 1978, from Bryant, you like, Bryant College. I'll probably be running college, this yeah. place yeah. in 2019. Did yeah. you ever, is it, is I never it thought that, no. You know, it was typical... Um, Typical college kid, I needed a job. I was getting married. I mean, I'm married 41 years also. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, needed a job, started the credit union. It's been great. It's been a great career. It's a great organization. It's great people. Uh, couldn't, couldn't have been happier. Couldn't be happier. How many employees yeah. do you guys have these days? So about 330 employees now. Mm -hmm. So across Rhode Island. Yeah. So quite a bit. We're growing. Uh, I think uh, we looked back and five years ago we had about 275. So we've, we've uh, 
added quite a few. Do you find, do you, when you think about the growth you guys have had in recent years, did, did anything change, did you find in consumer behavior the way people thought after the Great Recession? Was there any desire to be, to keep things, you know, you saw what happened with the big banks, I'm going to go to a more local, did you see, have you seen any lingering I think, we, I think effects? we saw a lot of that. We saw a lot of that when the, the crisis of 07, 08, um, basically with, with exactly the big banks that were in, the big mortgage companies that were mm -hmm. here, um, you couldn't find out who you owed money to. Um, local became the new word. Uh, the new buzzword, local, and, and yeah, we all, uh, the credit unions that are local, the local community banks, they, they do a great job. Uh, we all benefited from uh, uh, the, the mess that happened. No and, you, and, and yeah, that's, that's a good point, the yeah. keeping the mortgage at the place that yep. gave you the mortgage. You hear yep. that all the time, people, yep. that they, got, yep. they were really upset when they realized their mortgage had gone through five different right. companies right. by the time they had a problem in the, in yeah. the late 2000s. You see a lot of people, a lot of banks, credit unions selling mortgages, but they retain servicing. Mm -hmm. So basically, if you, you get a mortgage at Navient, we might sell them, we sell a small percentage of our loans. Um, but if you have a problem, you come to us. We're servicing. We're sending you the bill. We're collecting the check every month. Um, so it is still local. Yeah, so for the consumer, it feels like the mortgage right. is still with yeah. them, even if on your balance sheet you've exactly. sold it off and everything. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so do you, speaking of the Great Recession, too, a lot of new regulations came in after that, some of yep. which were probably necessary, at least, yeah, sure. with, with yep. what yep. we saw happen. But there were, there were arguments, especially from smaller financial institutions. Some of it was just too burdensome. You yep. mentioned compliance earlier as one yep. thing driving <clears throat> consolidation. Exactly, yeah. Um, is that still that you're on the National Credit Union Board? Do you still find that's a, that's a conversation, that's a frustration you're hearing among people in the industry? So the, the National Board, CUNA, Credit Union National Association, there's a lot of advocacy. It's a, it's a, it's a trade association in the country for, for credit unions. Um, that's the biggest thing that they do is advocacy. And they're always trying to um, ease up regulations, make things a little more consumer friendly, uh, that type of thing. Obviously, when the whole crisis hit, everybody got got pulled into the compliance and all the regulations. Uh, we've eased out a little. They, they've, they've eased them up as they realize that this doesn't affect small institutions, it only affects large. Um, so one big one was um, in Rhode Island definitely was uh, commercial lending. We have a uh, regulatory cap of 12 and a quarter percent of our assets in commercial lending. They did free up some of that money. They took out some properties. Um, so that was a big, big thing to us. It allowed us to lend more money for commercial loans to our members who owned a business. Interesting. Yep. Um, so. I also want to ask you, you, talking about your members, I always like to ask when I have someone from a bank on yep. about the economic outlook because yep. you're talking every day, you're talking to commercial customers, what, how are they feeling, you're talking to families that should I get a mortgage yep. right now, yep. what do I want to afford, you see your own trends on loans and the portfolios. What's your read, we're talking near the end of 2019, what's your read on the regional economy based on what you're seeing at the bank, at the credit union uh, going into next year, 2020? Um, you know what, the economy's done well. So we've had a 10-year run, it's done very well. Um, you saw after the, after the uh, crash, housing prices were horrible, way down. So we've seen a steady increase in housing prices. Um, so the housing market is doing very well. Interest rates are low. Um, we're still close to all-time lows, if not there. Um, so again, housing market's doing well. Uh, the economy's doing well in Rhode Island. Unemployment's pretty low. So we're seeing things pretty good. Uh, uh, our commercial members are feeling good. Um, so we don't see really a recession on the horizon yet. So it's all good. And we, uh, that's interesting, too, because we have seen some reports only about a minute left uh, that, you know, consumers are still feeling good, but yep. there's been some pullback on the commercial bi uh, side of things, some businesses feeling it. You're not seeing as much evidence we're of that here in We're not seeing it in the, the local businesses. That, yeah. uh, I think that's large businesses and national business, local businesses. We're not, feel, we're not seeing that. Uh, oh, um, delinquency is still very good. Mm -hmm. people, are, people are working. People are paying their bills. So. So steady as she goes. Steady is. Yeah, all right. Hopefully all next time we have you on, we're saying this. We're talking okay. about the same thing. All right. <laughs> Gary Furtado, president and CEO of Navigant Credit Union. Thank you for being with us. Don't go away, though, because when we come back, we're going to talk to the head of GoPeer, a startup for tutoring. Stick with us on Executive Suite.
Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi, and glad to be joined now by Ethan Binder. He is co-founder and CEO of GoPeer, a fairly young company. I think you're, you're a little over two years old, right, as we tape this in late 2019. So I, I've teased it a little, Ethan, but uh, tell us in brief what you do at GoPeer. Mm -hmm. Yes, and thank you for having me on the show. So at GoPeer, we pair qualified college students with K through 12 students for one-on-one -on -one tutoring lessons. So, as simple as that, you're, you're trying to find, a mo you found a model to get uh, kids together with someone who can help them if they're struggling in math or whatever. And I think the, the backstory is interesting. You started this as a college student. Talk a little about where you got the inspiration for this. Yeah, so I started this during my sophomore year of college, which is when we really started working on the, the project. Um, and it really came from, we were seeing our friends and family members dropping out of courses because of the grades and, and I'm sure as you know and I'm sure as we all know like our educational system puts so much pressure on students to achieve high grades mm -hmm. and when it comes to the resources available for private tutoring they're often incredibly expensive and just not accessible for so many students so by tutoring local K through 12 students in our community and by having college students be those tutors, we're able to provide that high quality tutoring at about one third the national average cost. So you found as you looked out that there just was not a lot of affordable tutoring options for the average kid who might not be able to blow a huge amount of money on a, a personal coach or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like people charge $70 an hour, $100 an hour, $200. In, in New York City, we've seen over $500 an hour, which is just insane. Like a white shoe law firm Ex for some of these tutors. Exactly. So um, you, you started off in 2017 about two and a half years now talk about how big is your footprint now how widely mm -hmm. uh, how widespread is this yeah so in 2017 we, we started and launched right here in Rhode Island um, our core schools were like Brown University RISD Johnson Wales um, and kind of scaled out from there since then we've had college students apply from over 156 universities we've actually given lessons in every state in the US even Alaska even Alaska <laughs> that's awesome now how do you do you vet you know, whether the student, you know, because someone might say, I'm good at history, I'll, I'll tutor somebody, and then you find that. How do you decide if someone, if the college student is someone mm -hmm. you trust to link up with a kid who needs mm -hmm. the help? Yeah, so all of our college students go through a five-step vetting process consisting of an academic screening, an experience check, a background check, an interview, and then training and resources. Gotcha, so you're not just throwing whoever signs up uh, into, into the wild to tutor mm -hmm. folks. Let's walk me through it um, sort of concretely. Let's say I have, I have a kid that is struggling in math, mm -hmm. and I, I, say, I need a tutor, and I hear about GoPeer. What would the steps be? How would it work? Yeah, so parents can go right to our website, and from there they can easily browse the qualifications and experience of available college students. And they can read ratings and reviews, and we really try to display the college student profile. It's similar to a LinkedIn profile or any kind of profile that just shows you their teaching experience and gives you a really great sense of who they are as a person. Uh, if you think they could be a great fit, you can easily send them a message right through the platform and get connected. And flip side of it, maybe there's a student watching, a college student says, I, I have a little knowledge in this. I wonder if I could get on the platform. Uh, are, you, are you still looking for tutors? How does someone uh, sign up or, or try to sign up? Yeah, uh, we're always looking for great college students who are experienced teachers or who are just really passionate about sharing their knowledge with their peers. 
You started focused, this is really interesting to me. You started out focused on, you're from Rhode Island, you're a Moses mm -hmm. Brown graduate, and then you went to Lafayette uh, College. Um, you started out focused on in-person tutoring, right? You were connecting connecting the student and the tutor, but then they'd meet up somewhere and they'd, they'd take the tutoring lesson. And then you've slowly migrated into online tutoring, which is which is gonna be new to a lot of folks who are used to imagining you know, the two people sitting together at the coffee shop going through the math or whatever. Um, do you find online tutoring is as effective and is it popular? Uh, yeah, so when we launched here in Rhode Island, we were 100% in-person. Um, and there are a lot of great benefits with in-person, but location is a limitation. Mm. And it also kind of prevented a lot of students and families uh, from gaining access to the program. So slowly, our lessons just naturally evolved online and became kind of online lessons. And we built out our own digital classroom that really focuses on making learning online just feel like an in-person lesson. So we built a digital whiteboard, a collaborative note-taking environment, and also added features that record the lessons so students can go back and review their work. And we've seen it to be a really effective model. Um, First off, you don't lose the face-to-face -face connection. So when you're learning from someone, like a college student, who has just successfully navigated that same process and who has just taken that same course, you have that relatable connection. And it's, it's easy for students to just feel engaged and motivated. Uh, and then second, going online, we're able to provide the best teachers to students no matter where they're located. So we've seen great results so far, and uh, students are really pleased with the experience and you've uh, that that's something you've talked about I know in other interviews that you all you felt from the start it was important to link part of the good reason that the college students doing it is because because they're relatively close in age you felt that the tutoring student relationship uh, just works better there's a there's a peer element there mm -hmm. yeah I think there's really something special about the near peer connection uh, for example we we had a student when we were doing in-person learning, uh, and we've had it this past year, we had a student uh, from Brown University get invited to their high school student's graduation. <laughs> and that was just crazy to us, because it just goes to show it's more than just a, a connection for tutoring. It's more of a role, mental, role model connection. And that was just really powerful. Another example is we've had, we had a student out of school for three weeks due to a broken leg, and they had to have surgery. And the Brown University student went to Hasbro Children's Hospital and actually worked with that student from their bed, uh, from their hospital bed, and also had the lessons online as well, which was just fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be really cool to see. So this, of course, this is a business. This is a startup that you founded uh, yourself. You've gone through some of the startup accelerator programs. Mm -hmm. You read about Mass Challenge, and you did Social Enterprise Greenhouse's mm -hmm. Impact Accelerator Program. I'm curious, as a, as a young entrepreneur, what did you find those valuable? What did you get out of those? Yeah, so the, the first accelerator we participated in was the 2018 Impact Accelerator at the Social Enterprise Greenhouse. And that was a fantastic experience, because first off, they took the risk on us. <laughs> college students into their accelerator program and we're incredibly thankful for that for that um, but one of the most valuable parts of that program was access to their network of advisors and mentors because like we're we have a young management team we're always learning and we're all always learning and so having access to people who have been through it before was so valuable 
you kind of got tutored in the accelerator programs yourself for exactly. the tutoring company. <laughs> so um, talk a little bit about you. As I mentioned, you're a Rhode Islander. You went to Moses Brown. How has it been to start a business uh, in Rhode Island? I know you. I guess you were in school for part of it. So you were kind of starting the business there, but now you're back in Rhode Island. You graduated. Congratulations. Um, how's it been starting a business here? Yeah, I mean, I think Rhode Island has a great ecosystem. Just of people and who are so supportive, but also in terms of starting GoPeer here, it was an ideal spot because there's such a high concentration of universities and K through 12 schools in such a close vicinity. And that was amazing for us. It was like the perfect ecosystem to test this model out. Um, and since then, through the accelerator programs and through our mentors and kind of advisors, there's just been such, there's so much support. And I think Rhode Island is an incredible place to start a business. So uh, looking ahead now, now you can really focus on it full time. So I imagine running a startup while going through college was <laughs> a bit of a challenge at times to balance anything. What's you know, where do you see growth? What are you excited about as you look ahead? What do you think's really, you know, what are your hopes for the company? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we. Our mission is really to make high-quality tutoring accessible and affordable for all students, and we do that by leveraging an available and underutilized labor force of college students to provide that high-quality tutoring, because so many college students need to actually work while enrolled, yeah. and having access to flexible job opportunities is important. And so our goal is really to continue to expand nationally. Uh, we've actually had people sign up for the service from 26 different countries, but right now our focus is on the U.S. and really making high-quality tutoring accessible for all students. Could you see yourself ever partnering with um, organizations? You know, maybe a school says, you know, we want to have a tutoring program for all these students in this class or something like that. You know, uh, bringing it to a bigger scale than the, just the one-to-one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think there's a, a huge amount of impact that we can create with that one-to-one -one model and working with consumers and, and parents and students. But we actually currently do sell packages of tutoring hours to organizations, to nonprofits who offer private tutoring as par part of their value proposition for their after-school programs. Um, we are starting to work with schools and even universities to help increase earning opportunities for their students and also to provide this high-quality tutoring for K-12 students as well. Uh, that's definitely on our roadmap and something we think is a great path for us to take. But um, for the most part, we have been focused on that kind of B2C model mm -hmm. and providing the tutoring straight to the consumer. Yeah, someone, and someone said to me today, actually, they said, oh, I hope they eventually do like the GREs because for their college student who's trying to figure out about going to grad school or something. So it does seem like there's a huge number of like avenues you can take with it with this model. Yep. Um, so I'm just curious, like when you look at your demand, what is it? Is it you know? Is it math? What are the things you think? Is it outsized in one subject? Are you finding there's demand all over the place and it's kind of even? Yeah. So we we see a lot of STEM courses: algebra one, algebra two, geometry, chemistry, biology. Um, we also have a lot of test prep: SAT, ACT, test prep, Spanish. Um, Mandarin Chinese. Uh, we see it all over the all over the board, but um, a lot of STEM courses and then foreign language or uh, even English, AP history. 
We're, we offer over 70 different subjects, but um, yeah, our core subjects are STEM courses. Yeah, I, uh, I had a few, I probably could have used you a few times when I was taking uh, calculus and chemistry, but uh, we won't go back to that transcript. Ethan Binder, we're out of time. Thank you so much for being here. He's co-founder and CEO of GoPeer. You can find it, what's the website? GoPeer.org. Not hard to find, you'll find it. So if you're looking for a tutor, that's the place to start. Thank you so much for being with me today, Ethan. And thank you for joining us for Executive Suite. If you missed the first half, we had Gary Furtado from Navigant Credit Union on. Remember, you can always catch the show on iTunes as a podcast or catch back episodes on our website, WPRI.com. We'll see you back here next week on Executive Suite.